Do you get the feeling that no one is going to think this is entertaining but you? <laughs> this is NBC. Pop Culture Affidavit Episode 39. They want to hit a Thanksgiving song. All right. All right. This is uh, this is a Thanksgiving song. I hope you enjoy it. Love to eat turkey. <laughs> love to eat turkey. Oh, I love you. Love to eat turkey, cause it's good. Love to eat turkey like a good boy should, cause it's turkey to eat. So good. That clapping's messing my head up, man. I appreciate it. But I was. I was trying to think of the next line. I'm like, all I hear is clapping. Hello and welcome to episode 39 of Pop Culture Affidavit, the podcast that takes a look at everything random in the world of popular culture, which is brought to you by the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network. I'm your host, Tom Panneries, and with this episode, I'm continuing my year-long series of episodes called 1994, the most important year of the 90s, with a look at some television from 1994. I'll get to that in a second, but I did want to point out that if you haven't checked out the blog lately, there are a few posts about topics from 1994, the most recent two being about the Brendan Fraser-Joe Pesci film With Honors and the Candlebox song Far Behind. So if you haven't been reading the blog, I definitely encourage you to do so, because while I'll only be doing two more episodes in this 1994 series after this one, I do plan on doing at least four or five more blog posts. You can check that out at popcultureaffidavit.com. One of the things that I had written down when I made my master list of 1994, the most important year of the 90s topics, was the premiere of Friends in the fall of 94. But as I started to look at the first season of Friends and what episodes aired in 94 as opposed to 95, and which episodes were the most noteworthy, I realized that despite its being a phenomenon by the end of that television season, Friends was not the only huge show on NBC, nor was it the biggest. I'd say at that point it was definitely Seinfeld, which was the number one show on television that season. In fact, NBC was either the number one or number two network on television for most of the early 90s, as it and ABC had all of the shows in the top 10 for 1994-95. And NBC dominated on Thursday nights, which did not bode well for a show that I talked about a couple of months ago over two episodes, which was ABC's My So-Called Life. And, well, NBC had been dominating Thursday night for the better part of a decade by 94 with its must-see TV lineup that since 1982 had included shows such as Cheers, The Cosby Show, Family Ties, Night Court, A Different World, Wings, and Frasier as well as the 10 p.m. hit dramas Hill Street Blues, Law & Order, L.A. Law, Homicide, and the show that would debut at 10 p.m. in 1994 and stay in the 10 p.m. Thursday slot until its 2009 finale, E.R. You forget sometimes, by the way, how strong NBC had been during the 1980s and early 1990s. I mean, this network aired The Golden Girls on a Saturday, and that show was huge. On a Saturday... I think Saturdays have been relegated to reruns of reality programming and college football games now. Kind of miss Cops in America's Most Wanted, though. Anyway, 
Instead of just focusing on friends, getting back to this episode, I decided I was going to do an episode on the entire Thursday night lineup for one Thursday night in November of 1994. By this point in the season, the lineup had changed just slightly from the time the season premieres had aired back in the early part of the fall. The original lineup at the beginning of this television season was Mad About You at 8 o'clock, Friends at 8.30, Seinfeld at 9, and the Dabney Coleman sitcom Mad Man of the People at 9.30, and then ER, of course, at 10 o'clock. Mad Men of the People would basically be canceled by the end of the calendar year, uh, despite be doing actually very well in the ratings. But it was not pulling all of Seinfeld's audience over, and that was not helping ER, so therefore it got the axe, which actually makes it one of the highest rating sitcoms ever to be canceled. I mean, that's how important network television still was back in 1994. By the spring, NBC would try out another new sitcom in the must-see TV lineup. They would move Friends to 9.30 and put a new sitcom called Hope and Gloria at 8.30. Uh, that did not survive past the May season finales. So to cover for this episode, I chose November 17, 1994. That was the night that the network aired Thanksgiving-related episodes of its sitcoms, although you'll hear me say a couple of times that I was pretty sure Seinfeld had nothing to do with Thanksgiving because that show didn't usually keep the theme nights the network set up. But because I only really looked at the very brief description, which only really described one plot of a two or three plot Seinfeld episode. The Seinfeld episode we're going to watch does involve a Thanksgiving storyline in which Elaine's boss wins the opportunity to hold the Woody Woodpecker balloon in the Macy's Day Parade. So ignore my ignorance up to a point. And there was no Madman of the People that night. NBC aired a rerun of Friends. So there were only three sitcoms with new episodes before ER. And what I decided to do was track down copies of all three of those episodes and watch them in order in which they originally aired. But I did not do it alone. Now, I dragged my wife along with me. Amanda and I watched that night's Mad About You, Friends, and Seinfeld and recorded ourselves while we watched the shows. So this is kind of a commentary? I say it that way for two reasons. First, there's a decent amount of time which we wound up just sitting back and watching the episodes and all you hear is just laughing at what's on the screen every once in a while. Second, two of the episodes are available on Amazon Instant Streaming and uh, we have a nice big smart TV and we, we use that. But what happened was that as we were watching them, the streaming buffered. So you'll hear us kind of talk until the buffering stop and the, and the show gets going. So if you're trying to watch these shows as we're talking about them, you may have a problem keeping your video in sync with our audio because of the buffering. And then after the episodes were over, we talked for a little while uh, longer to wrap it all up. Uh, we did not watch ER, however. We just stuck to the comedies. You'll hear us talk over the shows and I'll show some vintage 1994 commercials in between them as well as give each show its own little intro. But before I do that, I'm actually going to take a commercial break, and and then I'll come back with Mad About You. Yeah, 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 play it. Come on, play it loud. Play it loud. And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Illogic. Foolish emotions. A constant irritant. And transpire out! Three, two, on the circus, <laughs> right next to the dog-faced boy. 
first episode of the night, the Mad About You episode, Giblets for Murray, which is one of the more memorable episodes of that show's entire run. If you don't remember Mad About You, it stars Paul Reiser and Helen Hunt as Paul and Jamie Buckman, a 30-something married couple living in New York City. It was basically a sitcom about their marriage. The show in its last couple of seasons wasn't particularly great, but 1984-95 was a high point uh, creative-wise, and this episode is one of those episodes that if you wanted to show this to anybody who'd never heard of the show, this is one of the episodes that you show. In it, Paul and Jamie are having everyone over for Thanksgiving and are typically stressed. What only adds to the stress is the fact that Murray, the family dog, eats the turkey. It then becomes a comedy of errors as they try to get a new turkey and try to hide the fact that they need a new turkey from everyone in the house, both of which more or less fail miserably up until the end. The episode, as well as most of the show, is available on instant streaming uh, via Amazon, and you'll hear it does buffer at least a few times during it, but um, I do believe the series is also on DVD, and... It's not rerun on television that much anymore. So if you are interested in checking it out, I would go take a look at it on uh, Amazon.com's instant streaming because it's it's not that much for, for at least one episode. 
So here are Amanda and I, and we are going to watch Mad About You. Are they sleeping in a full bed? I think so. I love their old stuff. I know. Do they... She had a high-paying enough job to afford this apartment, right? Are we really going to get into the conversation (laughs) where TV apartments aren't realistic? Well, at least they explained it in Friends. Yeah. But the thing is, like... I really am obsessed with that stove now. (laughs) I used to love the theme song to this show. Sounds like a theme song you would, you would like. Thanks. <laughs> I guess we could also get into the conversation in which shows don't have theme songs anymore mm-hmm. because viewers are not patient enough, and if you don't get right into the show, people are going to flip the channel. I know. I know we're lamenting the commercial thing, but it's kind of nice not to have to to do this. This is another thing I love about the 90s is that one could wear a sweatshirt that is five times bigger than the person. I know. I know. I love how they're going through all of their various wedding presents given to them by people because you totally would do that. It would be sitting in a box. you got to have the thing out. Maybe not at that age. No. My stuff's all out. But I think this is, what, season three? So by this point, they'd only been married like three or four years. Gotcha. Because season one, I think, with the end of season was their first anniversary. Mm. And, of course, this is where having a smart TV makes this look incredibly odd. I know. The resolution on here is it looks like we're watching a live show. It does. It does. That's a nice size kitchen for a New York apartment. Yeah. Lisa, you're not a vegetarian. Oh, Yeah, be careful with those peelers. I've lopped off the at the tip of a finger more and than I care to admit. I know. And I'm sorry what I said about, about buffering earlier. You shouldn't, you shouldn't have jinxed it. <laughs> yeah. This is your fault. Okay, so let's talk about some more 90s hallmarks that we're seeing in here, which is a plaid shirt. <laughs> yes. Of over, course. Over a darker t-shirt. Yes. Um, some wire rim glasses. Wire rim glasses. And a phone that is connected to the wall by a cord. And it has that sort of, that pla- that, sh- that, that rounded shell thing, because in the 80s it would have been a classic handle type of phone Mm, yes this is the more modern streamlined 90s phone yes (laughs) in the um sophisticated neutral of bone oh yeah (laughs) that dish rack though is on point right now Mm -hmm. teak dish racks are very on trend well it looks like the i mean maybe the counters are kind of fake but it looks like they kind of have butcher block counters too Mm. which or at least the meat. No, it does look like yeah, a butcher block. Yeah, which that's another thing that's kind of trendy. Okay. 
the fact that these two had actual on-screen chemistry is one of the reasons this show worked, yes. at least in its first few seasons. Although I'm laughing because I'm looking at the sugar box, and that's the sugar that always gets promoted after America's <laughs> Test Kitchen, like, we'll, we'll always be, be your sugar. sugar. And that was sealed test milk, so you're not fooling me, NBC, with your, your label hiding. And there's yeah. Iams in the background. Yeah. Brussels sprouts are good. I love Brussels sprouts. You make excellent Brussels sprouts. I love roasting the Brussels sprouts directly on a stalk. (laughs) So good. Okay, you and I can both relate to getting everybody together at one Thanksgiving. Well, I feel cursed because the one Thanksgiving we got everyone together at our house, I drank a lot of wine and then found out two days later that I was pregnant. Yes. So I haven't hosted a Thanksgiving since, just in case. (laughs) This is one of those actors who shows up on, like, Seinfeld and other shows as Asian guy. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, my mother. <laughs> right down to the accent. Yeah. <laughs> I do love, look, okay, so can we geek out about their built ins? Yes. Look at the built in so shelves. What a small bag of ice. I know. What? <gasps> that TV. That, oh that big on the, tube TV on on a little on a little cart on a rolly cart. There's a VCR on the bottom too. I kind of forgot how they had staged their house. Actually, as possessors of our own open floor plan, we could probably take some hints. Yeah, we used to have we used to have it. My parents had a table just like that with a pedestal at the bottom. Like, mm-hmm. That's our kitchen table. Well, we have one like that in our basement. Yeah. Thank you, Creighton Bill. Yes. <laughs> what is her? Sylvia, right? I can't remember. <laughs> I'm glad that one of the reasons we are married is because we both don't like marshmallows or sugar or crap oh, no. all over our sweet potatoes. Give me the sweet potatoes. They're, they're in their pure form or, yes. or fine. Well, I mean, sweet is in their name. What more? I mean, and I'm Southern, and we love sugar, fat, salt, bacon, ham, <laughs> but not on your, my sweet potatoes. There was that one Thanksgiving that we went to where Aunt Maria made those potatoes. That- <laughs> <laughs> those white yams? Yeah. I you could have lit them on fire and roasted marshmallows over it. I know. I don't think she like cooked off the bourbon or whatever I, she I, put them in. I don't think she was paying much attention by that point. Like Ben Vereen. <laughs> There's a lot of movement on this show. Too. You ever notice yeah. they're always uh, they stage that very well. 
Well, and if I was giving them some credit, I wonder if it's to reflect sort of the frantic pace of New York life. Yeah. And, and the oh my God, they're smoking indoors. <laughs> and the nervousness of hosting a Thanksgiving. She's sticking him in the freezer. <laughs> Notice the length of the ash of the cigarette. That's a um. It's right out of sixteen, that's a 16 candles. candles. <laughs> All she needs is a box of donuts. Oh no! Wait, they 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 had the classic three pack. Yeah. The she should have really tied the legs together. Should trust that turkey. Marie's a cute dog. Yeah. It really is a nice size kitchen. I think we have the Corningware dish. But I don't have the stand for it. No. And you know, I bet back in the 90s they made it so that the lid actually fits on the thing. I know. That gets, gets really annoying from time to time. Yeah. The uh, It is a nice size kitchen, but it is kind of funny how yeah, you've got that old oven and the microwave has to sit on a separate counter where like nowadays they've... Yeah. They would put them in a range that the fridge doesn't have an ice maker in the door. These are the things you notice when things are buffering anything. It is a like a lot of the um, a lot of the sitcom like Friends is one of those sitcom episodes that where like they have to come up with some sort of contrived reason to get all the characters into the same Thanksgiving holiday. Mm-hmm. But this doesn't seem to work like that because it's this everybody is coming, all the family are coming to visit, and this this is how this really really <laughs> works. <laughs> Oh, and lamb chop. You know, she's Jerry Lewis's wife. It's a fact. Amazing, you know. Her float gets a flat, so they give her hours. Like people would rather see a woman going down Broadway with her hand up a lamb's ass. Actually, I didn't realize you could say ass on TV in 1994. Yeah, I guess so. At 8 o'clock? Yeah. I guess so. Perfectly round slices of With cranberry. The ridges on it. Yes, that's how you know where to cut. <laughs> this really does look like a bodega in New York. Like, it's a very realistic looking set. Oh, 
cares. Trust me, she'll notice. And once it's sliding out of a can, I shall slide out of a can. You know why, by the way? The noise. He likes it. He likes that little... <laughs> Lots of people like that noise. Sounds crazy because that's what you do. <laughs> I don't know. I think when it comes to food, I mean, I am kind of a diva about it. It's like if you don't want to eat the food that I'm making, yeah. then you don't have to eat it, and yeah. you can go somewhere else. So is this? This was during the period where Mark had left Fran. Mm-hmm. I think. Okay. The blazer over the jeans. The jeans. Well, look at the color of the jeans. Yes, the antique wash from. Well, you know that whole blazer over a white shirt thing is courtesy of Julia Roberts and Pretty Woman. Yes. Okay. The bangs are very nineties too. I had those bangs. Yes. Yes, Yes, I had those bangs indeed. And the. Ubiquitous. How many apartments in Seinfeld had one too? The mountain bike in the apartment, and nobody ever rode a bike. No. I got to get back to this blazer though for a hot minute because it is so long. Is it like you, nobody. Well, yes, and it's double breasted, like right around where her jeans probably pleat. Yeah, I'm just gonna call it. <laughs> Um, probably our total mom jeans. I mean, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna guess, and probably fairly accurate guess. But like, I mean, there, there's that looks good on no one. Yeah. So it's a double-breasted blazer that goes completely over her behind. I mean, you would never find a blazer cut like that today. No. Oh, although remember the other ninety, the late nineties trend of when? Well, maybe see, you might not remember this, but when I first joined the workforce in <clears throat> 1999. Mm-hmm. The the dusted almost lab coat blazer. Yes, yes, okay. That was like knee length. Yeah, but it wasn't. It was single breasted. It was. Like, oh yeah, but Dana Scully made it very popular on X Files. Yes. <laughs> See her hers is double breasted too. Yeah. I love how they're arguing over how they're going to be eating the food, family style or buffet. You know. Well, remember your mom was disappointed when I made Easter a buffet this spring because we didn't have enough room on the table. Yeah. Well, we all sat around the table. We did. But it was, everything was served up. Yes, on but that's island. what I'm saying. I did it buffet, but once again, too bad because there was no room. Well, it made sense. <laughs> the dog's eating the turkey at this exactly point, right? Exactly right, yeah. That's totally the moment you're you're waiting for. <laughs> Dog is so cute. <laughs> Just looking at it like <laughs> this is where it becomes the Murphy's Law episode. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> you carve it, you wipe it off, and you carve it. I think he ate too much of it. <laughs> there were times when Murray just made the show. How old are 
are they supposed to be? They are like, in their very early 30s. Because yeah. in the first season, at least she's in her very early 30s. Because in the first season, in one of the first episodes of the show, she turns 30. Mm. So she's probably... They're probably just a few younger, years younger than us. Those are some white sneakers, Jamie. Oh God. <laughs> Of course. same clothes that she has been the entire time and that and that's one of those things where on a day like this you are not able to get dressed as quickly as you want to and well because there's always something yeah you got to be doing (laughs) or he's just like i gotta and he just goes out because he's gonna get something i mean and if you're like me and you're going to inevitably cut yourself on your chef's knife or your peeler you don't want to bleed all over your good clothes this is true this is true I mean, pretty much every major holiday, I have cut myself. Yeah. Now, are those built-ins with a cabinet in, a, in the hallway between the mm-hmm. living room and the house? They're really nice. Yeah. Little... Well, I was noticing that they put the that the built-ins go over the doorway, and so that's actually what I would love to do in one of our rooms. Yeah. In fact, I had wanted to do it over like, and like yeah. over our door and around our window. Hmm. Chuckles, God! My grandmother used to have tons of those things. What's a chuckle? They were gumdrops. Yeah. White sneakers, very nineties, very voluminous hair. So well timed. Very good pacing. It's very high waisted pants. <laughs> now, is Lisa younger or older? I can't remember. Cannot remember. Friends talking to her kid. Wow, that's the most beautiful turkey I've ever seen, and I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can take the mushrooms out. 
<laughs> Isn't someone going to take it? I, I can't remember. I think that's it. It's it, yeah, because I think there's a. I think it's there's th- there's four turkeys if you count the one that was in the oven throughout the so whole show. So this is only the second turkey. Yeah, this is only turkey number two. And that's my father. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Home Improvement. Yeah, you're right about the bulletin's going around. It's, yeah, and it's gone. You have control of the situation. Yes, you do. Yes. <laughs> Although I'm noticing that the little the turkey that they have on the coffee table looks uh-huh. like the turkey I just bought my mom. See, okay. some things are, are classic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The little like you know straw looking yeah. pottery barn turkey. Yeah. The aunt is wearing headphones and listening to the television to ignore all to ignore them. That aunt is on point. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Ira, and she's like wearing like an afghan. Yeah, Ira has like the. Remember when you always had to have an afghan yeah, on the back of your couch? My parents still have an afghan, <laughs> and it's that it's that <coughs> that grid pattern that's not gingham because it's not the check pattern. Grid pattern? I don't know. What are you talking You talking about on the couch? Yeah. No, that's like a wide gingham. <clears throat> oh, it is that a is a gingham, gingham pad. Okay. All right. Ira has the perfect 90s balding guy hair. He looks like a professor. He is getting he is getting the he's he's got the Bruce Willis up top, yes. but he's got he, the he hockey is, wings in the, the back. The hockey wings, because it's 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 almost a mullet, but it's not. It's very hockey. It's balding yeah. hockey. It's hair. a faux mullet. Yeah. <laughs> she's <laughs> she's about maybe five or ten years away from those being like stirrup pants. <laughs> what now? In age, she's if she were ten years older, those would have been stirrup pants. <laughs> You knew where she was going. (laughs) 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 I didn't know the parents saw it.
This is another actress I've seen in like other things, mm. but you know. Kind of like that Italian woman who always used to pop up on Who's the Boss. Mm-hmm. They don't know where the phone is. Oh, God. Look at the tile in this bathroom. Oh my God, it's painted. That looks worse than the tile in the house we bought and then didn't buy. Yes. I like the floor. Isn't that a rug? Or is that an inlaid tile? It might be. In, it, I can't tell from, from here. She makes me want to smoke again. Timing on this show is just so great, <laughs> and it, it wouldn't be this funny in its last couple of seasons. Well, no show is. They got they got too wrapped up in that really them kind of going through a divorce storyline. Infertility they had. or whatever yeah, it was it until got, they didn't. Yeah, but, I, yeah. But these were very like. Um, young married couple in their 30s that you, I, don't, I can't think of another sitcom that really had this sort of dynamic because most of the sitcoms I think can think of where people were married they usually had kids so it became a family sitcom and actually when you think about it this is it was pretty revolutionary and actually very kind of 90s in that they were older when they got married yeah um, I mean it was I remember by the time you and I got married in 2003 when people found out we were 26, all I heard was, that's so young. I know. Why are you getting married so young? (laughs) (laughs) And there the turkey goes down the alley between the buildings. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, So there were five turkeys. Or maybe this is this number four. This is number four. Because this is the one they actually eat. And there's Murray into the pie. (laughs) Oh, he's so cute. Wagging his little tail. (laughs) 
You know, for a... That's a normal sitcom episode. That went by fast. That was very tightly was paced. Very, very tightly paced. But, you know, there wasn't a lot of filler in there. The road leading to Wendy's next great chicken sandwich is a hard one. Fraught with disappointments and dead ends. But when you're Dave Thomas and you're starting with Wendy's whole breast fillet, you don't give up. I think I'm on to something. Introducing Wendy's Mozzarella Chicken Supreme, an all-white meat fillet, mozzarella, and a creamy Parmesan sauce. One bite and you'll jump up and say, Gee, this is pretty good. Exactly. Come try one today. as I mentioned, was the 8.30 show. It would move to 9.30, and then after Mad About You was shuffled off to another night, and I want to say that was Tuesday or Wednesday the following season. It would be the 8 o'clock show until it went off the air in its 10th season. This episode is entitled The One Where Underdog Gets Away, and is one of those everyone has had something bad happen to them in order to get the entire cast to spend Thanksgiving together sitcom episodes, which includes, as the title mentions, the underdog balloon and the Macy's Day Parade flying the coop. This one was also on Amazon. It does buffer a bit, but I will say that Netflix is going to start streaming the entire series starting in January, I believe. And Friends is not hard to find in reruns, so if you if you flip around the channels, uh enough times you may be able to find uh, this episode if, if you're really looking to watch it. And and most of the Thanksgiving episodes of Friends are worth watching. So see if you can uh, track one down and have a little fun, fun with it for half an hour. So here we go with Friends. Friends was known for... Friends Thanksgiving episodes were good. Mm-hmm. The one with Brad Pitt being probably one of the better ones. Part of me is actually looking forward to seeing this show on... Netflix to see if it, you know, because, mm-hmm. you know, we've caught the occasional rerun. Not that I want to sit there and watch every episode of Friends, but I'd say up until about junior year of college, that show was like, was almost flawless. Yeah. It was, the the episode where to me, I was just like, I think the show is starting to go down was the the wedding in England. Mm-hmm. And he, that, I, I think that was the end of, of junior year of college. So that was ninety. Eight, mm-hmm. so, and then it held on for like another six seasons. Or yeah, show went on for a while. It, it refused to to go away. And the last couple seasons of that show are there are a lot of episodes of that show that are not watchable mm-hmm. at all. Seinfeld kind of suffered the same fate in its last couple of seasons. I actually stopped watching that after that last episode was so bad. And it's not even like oh that they went to jail and it's like they brought it. It just it. It just made no sense. It was an incredibly self-referential episode. But it wasn't For a even... show about nothing, you know. I mean, you would have been better off just doing, like, a clip show. Yeah. 
<laughs> because that's basically what it was. Yeah. It was like all these characters are going to come back, and isn't yeah. that hilarious? Yeah. All right, here we go. All right. Hey, it's the dad from Elf. Oh. Is this before Aniston's hair got, like, full Rachel? Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is pre-Rachel. chunky hair in this. Mm-hmm. This kind of brought back the theme song for a little while. Yes. It's one of the last that charted, to be honest with you. Yeah. Well, I mean, were we really in the... Um, um, were we ever really at a point where themes were charting? I mean, except Welcome Back, Cotter, of which yeah. I think is one of the best. The, there were a couple that charted. I know that the Greatest American Hero theme did in the early 80s, and... Uh, some of them were more memorable than others. This, though, this got to the point where, like, they would just play this in a loop on the radio before the Rembrandts actually released yeah. a longer version of the song. I think that's Washington Square. Sure. I'm not that familiar with New York City. That part of New York City. Um, you know, all three of the shows are actually in the same New York mm-hmm. because they've all crossed over in some way or another. The comic, the continuity geek, and you get that. What the hell is Phoebe wearing? Phoebe's wearing one of her hippie, dippy, you know, I mean, early 90s coffee shop If this were living single, I would swear it was cross colors. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so the whole... Because um, that is bright. Yeah, and the whole... The Although whole... I loved cross colors. When I was in high school, like, I really wanted, like, a cross colors, like, something. But I ended up having to buy, like, the knockoffs at the county seat. The county seat? <laughs> Because my mom, my mom was like, "I'm not paying sixty some dollars so you can have a pair of shorts, jean shorts, overalls, overalls." Oh, remember overalls? Big baggy overalls. Actually, and funnily enough, okay, that probably it's not grammatically correct, but um, you know, Friends was very much influential on fashion, and Mm -hmm. I remember when Rachel, when they had her in like the overalls with like the bib down. Yeah. And like she was just walking around and wearing them like pants with a boot. I did that throughout college. And it was not cute. Why did I think that was okay? Yeah. Look at that bright blue sweater Joe is wearing. Uh, I know. Also with the herringbone trench coat. Yes. 
model. <gasps> Is this where he's the, the VD VD model? The, it's every every one of them except for I think Chandler and Phoebe has some sort of reason to not have to go to Thanksgiving yeah, because Ross and Monica's parents are out of town and Rachel can't Rachel's broke and then he's the poster child for VD look at how far down Chandler's shirt is buttoned that would never happen in later seasons. I know. It's because this is before Matthew Perry's weight fluctuated like crazy, depending mm. on whether or not he was on painkillers at the time. Or booze. Yeah. Booze and hot pants. Yes, booze and hot pants. I'll work on the lumps. Joey, you're going home, right? Yeah. And I assume, you're The funny thing is, is I should have recognized David Schwimmer from The Wonder Years, but I knew every single actor on this show before the show premiered from various things I'd seen them in. Schwimmer's hair. Yeah. It was never quite great. The women on the show had some great hair yeah. from time to time, but... <gasps> Those jeans! Oh my god. And that's a bright, bright red shirt. Those jeans are practically up around her throat. Although Susan always had fantastic, like, crazy hair. Look at how high those pants are! I know. Lands and bugs. Hey. This show always handled Carol and Susan very well. They mm-hmm. didn't make them. Um, it was also revolutionary yeah. to. They didn't make them clownish, you know. Yeah. I'll say that the jeans and the shirt are definitely giving off sort of a Gabrielle Carteris vibe. Yeah, she does kind of look... The hair doesn't hurt either. She could... Those shirts are back in now, though. Kind Hmm. of those blousy, silky kind of shirts. I don't think mom jeans like that will ever make it. Oh, no. How would you even? I I mean... Maybe teenagers will start wearing them in sort of some weird... Or hipsters will wear them in ironic fashion. Why well, was teenagers start wearing them? I mean, I remember the um, 
the paper bag waste was coming back a couple of years ago. I want to say like, I don't know, like five years ago. Mm-hmm. Thank God that never took off. And, yeah. and and actually, I'm also really thankful for, you know, the fact that the super ultra low rise also died. You know, that sort of early aughts. Oh, God. We're, everybody's we're, flashing we're, their crack. I was going to say, you didn't even have to bend over to flash your crack. It was that low on the... And you could never find jeans that... I mean, I know I had a pro like it was ridiculous. Thank God for the mid rise, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Do you talk about me? All the time. Really? But um we just refer to you as Bobo the sperm guy. The sperm And look how short the shirts were. Like, I cannot get over it. Really high-waisted jeans. Short shirts. Short shirts. Because you really want to be able to show off the entire 11-inch rise of your jeans. I love how D'Agostino is this high-end... I don't even know if it's still around anymore, but back then it was kind of like a high-end grocery store in New York City. Like a Dean and DeLuca? Yeah, in a sense, yeah. So that's where she went shopping because Monica being a chef... Look at Ross's sweater. Look, he's wearing a sweater. blanket. She's kind of got the proto Rachel going on. It. Yes. It's, it's almost like a, a Rachel mullet. Yes. Denim skirt. It's a cute skirt. I'd yeah. wear it today. Because back then a ticket to Colorado only cost $100. Oh my god, it's like the tickets on Kim Kardashian Hollywood where it's only $15 to fly to Miami. Yeah. Funyuns! Gross! More dookie, Mr. Chandler. The um, plaid sleeves on the fleece or whatever he's wearing, yeah. also very 90s. And the, and the gelled up floppy hair. Oh, yeah. there's That's a lot of gel. Yeah. A lot. Now, I'm, I'm suddenly thinking of that John Hamm clip we saw of him when he was <gasps> on studs 20 years ago and he had the floppy 90s hair. I mean, I'd still pick him. <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't matter. <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> Monica, I mean, the set is so overly decorated for Thanksgiving, but Monica being Monica, it's such a... Somebody went to Michael's and and decided to... (laughs) But Monica being Monica, like, right where this is buffering, all I see is a gigantic bottle of dish soap. And Monica being Monica, there's no way in hell she would leave the container there. She would pull a... Janus Panneries and put it in some sort of decorative I've, vessel. I've always said if there's any 
two sitcom characters that remind me of me and my sister. It's Ross and Monica. Mm -hmm. Uh, you... <laughs> <laughs> what was the name of the cologne of the guy that was like his competition oh shit I don't remember was it something like ombre or something it was ombre because they got into like a fighter's ombre you always love how how they all kind of worked really crappy jobs in these Mm -hmm. first couple of seasons except for Ross and uh, and well Chandler had a shitty job he just had a better Yes, very cosmopolitan. And there's the VD poster. <laughs> Mario. <laughs> Mario, of course it's Mario. <laughs> you never know who might have it. <laughs> Good use of the police. Mm. <laughs> I just love. <gasps> Look at that epic giant's jacket. I know. Maybe you should get one. Tell Tom Coughlin to go. There was probably it's not starter. shiny enough for Tom Coughlin. Yeah. It was probably a starter jacket. People used to wear those like crazy. Um, yeah, I could then. guarantee 120% that that's a starter jacket. Yeah, I did love the fact that they used legitimate shots of New York City rather than some sort of like, you know, prefab New York City set. Mm. You know, like it was shot at Hollywood Studios or something at the Universal Backlot. Mm. So. Look at the awesome sort of like sculpted hair that the guy yeah. in this freeze frame is is rocking. That like if it were just a little bit higher, it would look a lot like Bobby Brown's "Every Little Step I Take" hair. <laughs> Wasn't that the Gumby hair? It, yeah, <laughs> sculpted hair was the jam. You know, one of the seniors I work is is rocking a high uh, where a I'm high top yeah, like kid and play. It, it's it needs to be a little bit higher to be kid and play. It's almost like. Um, First season, Fresh Prince. Oh, so and uh, they were talking about Fresh Prince in class the other day. Oh my god, I love and I that said, show. and I one girl's like, I, I love that show, and I said, and I mentioned First and Viv versus Second and Viv, and she agrees with us. First and Viv always. I do like the idea that this is everywhere. Fuck <laughs> you, chicken. <laughs> it's just like a public service announcement would be in Times but, Square. But it is kind of funny how like, <gasps> that is a velour turtleneck. Velour was so nineties. I had a couple of velour pieces, velour and Chanel. He just made a blossom reference. Well, Blossom was airing at the same time, know, wasn't like, it? Tonight on a very... Every episode of Blossom was a very special Blossom at one point. Okay, okay. Sire's mulling. Turkey's turkey. Yams are yamming. What? I don't know. It's just... 
At least it actually looks like a pie that was baked. Yeah. We all laughed when you did it with the stuffing, but that's not funny anymore. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Monica, I got a question. I don't see any tater tots. That's not a question. <laughs> <laughs> My mom always makes them. It's like a tradition. You get a little piece of turkey on your fork, a little cranberry sauce, and a tot. Who the hell eats tater tots at Thanksgiving? I, I bet Napoleon Dynamite yeah. does. She's got like three kinds of potatoes going at this point. Last time we had four turkeys, now we have three potatoes. Oh, actually, I just was looking. It's either on Bon Appetit or um, Food and Wine, one of the two, because I get both, Uh is um, a mashed potato casserole in which the decadence of potatoes is ramped up to massive levels of decadence. I'm assuming like Gruyere or something is involved. Well, maybe I don't know. I I don't. Magnum I don't remember what epi- episode. I don't remember what issue it was in, or okay. if I was I'm looking at it online, later. or if I was looking at it on Pinterest. Excuse I think it was Food and Wine on Pinterest. So yeah, um, mashed potato casserole. Is that like eggplant wine? I'd say just burgundy. And with. With the camel colored coat, that's. He looks like Thanksgiving. He does look that like That was probably on purpose. Yeah. Phoebe, did you lift up the. Ross needs lumps! Oh, I'm sorry! Oh, I just. I thought we could have them whipped and then add some peas and onions. Whipped with peas and onions. So we've got whipped with peas and onions, lumpy mashed potatoes, and tater tots. Mm. Oh, jeez. Scrunchy. Well, you knew she was going to hit something with the skis. <laughs> the most unbelievable thing has happened. Underdog has gotten away. The balloon? No, no, the actual cartoon character. <laughs> uh, of course, the balloon. It's all over the news. Right before he reached Macy's, he broke free and was spotted flying over Washington Square Park. I'm going to the roof. So there's Washington Square Park, yeah, because the arch is there. Oh, come on, 80 foot is there. a dog loose over the city? How often does that happen? Almost never. Oh, I saw a scrunchie. And... <laughs> Carol, played by Jane Sabet, who at this point had was best known for being the blonde on Herman's head. Mm-hmm. I watched every episode of Herman's head. I just remember Yardley Smith being on it because I knew she was Lisa Simpson. And Hank Azaria. Hank Azaria was, was on, on there. as well, yeah. So. Those. I'm sure that somewhere, either on YouTube or Netflix or somewhere, are some of those early 90s Fox sitcoms where they were like a dime a dozen and these, you know. Um, well, Matt LeBlanc was on. Um, one two. He was well. Yeah, it was. A, it was. It was, a, it was yeah. It was played, a spinoff. He played a 
Vinny. Kelly's boyfriend. Kelly's boyfriend. And um, oh, I'm trying to think. It was Parker Lewis Can't Lose, I think, is on DVD. Toby McGuire had one mm-hmm. called Great Scott that his dad was played by Tackleberry from the Police Academy movies. <laughs> I used to love that show, too. It was because it, it was on... It was on before the Ben Stiller show. Mm. And I have the Ben Stiller show on DVD. Where am I talking to here? You used to talk to my belly when I was pregnant. Sometimes. But what we did the most was we did the headphones on the belly. With the music as we heard it. With the music. And I think it worked out pretty well because our our child is now high ability. Yes, and he talks a lot too. I'd like to to credit the Mozart (laughs) that he heard in utero. We used to read to him. Yes, you read to him a lot. Ross is one of those characters that he balances whiny and like he could be very, very whiny and very annoying, but he he, he doesn't cross that line too often. Rachel, who was two seconds away from walking out the door, not have her keys. But then again, it's well, she Rachel from like the first season idiot. of the show. Yeah. He's still talking to the baby. This is. Um, this is definitely of a slower pace than the other show. Yeah. I mean, it, I felt know. like the other one was a little zippier. Yeah, but then again, the other one was the third season of of Mad About You. They had all kind of meshed that, a little yeah, more. And, and this is the first season of Friends, a few episodes in. The show really doesn't hit its point until like the second half. Of was the season. it the next season where they played the football game for the, it was the either, Geller Cup yeah, it was or whatever? The next season or the season after? It was within those first couple of I, seasons where they played the Geller Cup game. Yeah, I like. I that was one of my my favorite ones. Yes, yeah, especially when it was. Um, Ross, who had saved it, I think. Like, they bust out the actual Geller Cup at one point. Um, Yeah, and then... trying to remember some of the other ones. Like I said, the the one with Brad Pitt years down the road where... Mm -hmm. (laughs) With the I Hate Rachel Green Club. Yes. And things. Um, I was telling you, you gotta pick a major. You gotta pick a major. So, on a dare... See, there's more velour. Carol's wearing velour pants. Mm-hmm. You really couldn't get away from it. No.
<laughs> Although, again, not portraying pregnancy correctly, because if you pop that much and you don't feel your baby kick, you should be worried. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they have a drawer full of keys. This is such a guy's apartment. I think sometimes Jennifer Aniston doesn't get enough credit for how good of a comedic actress she actually is. <laughs> She's very good, just very good timing and very good, you know, is, is very good at those the mannerisms. I think it's just that she kind of became a victim of being her character. Yeah. Where, where, interestingly enough, I thought Courtney Cox would be more pigeonholed by her character, but she's been able to, like, you know, she's done Cougar Town, and she yeah. did that show on FX or whatever, and um, she hasn't had as... She hasn't seemed to have been trapped. Although, you know, poor Jennifer Aniston got rolled up in that whole... Oh, just the... Brad Angelina all, yeah, thing. The tabloid and, of it all, I think, is people, you know... But although it's 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 kind of allowed her to fly under the radar with some taking roles that... You know, yeah, she doesn't have to be. Well, and she's rich as hell. Yeah, I, I know. mean, if she never wants to act again, yeah, that's her business. She doesn't. She doesn't have to take um, action movie role, like you mm-hmm. know, big, huge movie roles. She can do whatever she wants at this point. Um. Everybody's had this argument too. Mm-hmm. I think we've had this argument. About who had the keys? No, just who said what, and there's some sort of mishap, and it's because one of us wasn't listening to the other. Probably me. (laughs) Mario gets his touch. Monica's the only one who looks good in high-waisted pants. I know. She's the only one thin enough to pull it off. Well, that's what I mean. Like, they're just not kind to anyone. But yes, we have had the argument before about who's responsible for what. And I have gone into Monica levels of fits about always feeling like the one who's responsible for making sure we're all on point. 
Thankfully, Thanksgiving, we don't have to do that this year. Well, that's why I'm lazy on Thanksgiving. Because on Christmas, <laughs> I mean, remember that one Christmas my parents brought that tenderloin and it hadn't really been butchered? So I spent 45 minutes yes. butchering it before I could even get the damn thing in the oven. <laughs> now we get like Frankenham. Yeah, well, <laughs> and at least it's, it's cooked, so yeah. I just throw it in the oven and it's done. But And actually, this year, I think we're, aren't we doing a prime rib? I don't know if we've decided or not. I, I think decided. we. I think we did. I think you might have marked it somewhere. It's been <gasps> so. Yeah, I know. We've had so many conversations about different things. Thanks, kidding. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny is that this is so typical sitcom Thanksgiving mm. too. Pretty good grilled cheese. Oh, Monica, just eat a whole fucking grilled cheese. I know. We get it. You're skinny. got that shirt <laughs> yeah probably at least we can't see Chandler's nipples through his <laughs> no that's in a later episode oh like the next minute without it going there we go black control problem of course hemorrhoids winner of three Tony awards (laughs) of course Too little, too late, though. At that I point. know, right? <laughs> this was to be the year 
Dan Marino, 11-year veteran quarterback, was to surpass 290 career touchdowns, 3,200 completions, and 40,000 passing yards. Well, maybe next year. But you can't keep this guy out of the game. Where does Dan go to stay in the action? Blockbuster. Can I please play now, Dan? Sorry, uh, I just went into overtime. Stay in the game with Blockbuster and set some records of your own. final show tonight is the episode of Seinfeld entitled The Mom and Pop Store. The title is a reference to Kramer's storyline in which he's upset over a small shoe repair business that's in danger of going out of business. And, well, in typical Kramer fashion, he actually winds up inadvertently driving them out of business. Also happening in the episode is Elaine winning a radio call-in show to get her boss, Mr. Pitt, the opportunity to hold the Woody Woodpecker balloon in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. And Jerry trying to figure out whether or not he's actually been invited to Tim Watley's Thanksgiving party. Tim Watley, of course, is played by Brian Cranston. This is not available in streaming anywhere. Uh, Seinfeld is regularly in reruns. But um, I had to rent the DVD from Netflix. So if you have, I believe it's season six, this DVD, uh, you can pop in the episode. And there was no buffering problem, so we talked all the way through it. But... Um, here you go with Seinfeld. So we'll get to watch my favorite thing to watch on Seinfeld anytime I watch Seinfeld, which is Elaine's fashion. Yes. And this is uh this is the same season the label maker is on this, so this is the so regifter thing mm. season, but so that by this time I don't think I was watching the show on a regular basis. Uh-huh. Or if I was watching it, I was watching it very um, passively. Because this was this was senior high school, so I was probably watching. Ew! Is that when he fishes the eclair out of the trash? Yeah, I can't stand George. Like I know what he's he, supposed to serve. I know what purpose he's supposed to serve. Now, like I said, Seinfeld had a tendency not to follow along with what the rest of the shows on the network were doing, so they wouldn't do like a themed episode. Although they did their number of Christmas episodes. Yeah. Um, well, the chocolate babka one or whatever was. It was a Christmas party. It was a Christmas party, and then there was the nipple one. Yeah, it was which the was, Christmas which was party. Funny. I mean, yeah, but um, but Thanksgiving and the of, of course. Christmas party where Elaine dances, which yes. is one of my favorites. Yes, that might be this season. I can't remember. <laughs> it, I know it's around this, but yeah, no, I watched. But are they were still doing stand up. That is a. That hair is something. That is. It looks like a bottle brush. It's kind of a Jufra, but the Jufra wasn't around anymore, so it's kind of the Jew mullet. 
I think they'd get rid of this about a season or two later, where they would get rid of the stand-up bits, which I kind of miss sometimes. Those were usually fun. Oh, that's this is the. Oh God, this is the gross one where Kramer puts his blood in the car, isn't is that? It? Or he gets the pencil, he gets the bite from John Voight at the end. Tim Watley, dentist. Anti-dentist. Oh, there is a Thanksgiving this in here. The Superman statue on Jerry's uh, thing. And the Superman magnets. Actually, I never thought I'd say it, but Elaine is also very on trend right now. I mean, you've got the lace skirt, and lace is very big right now, and she's wearing Oxfords, which is very on point. Nobody has the wall of hair anymore, though. I know some people who still have a lot of uncontrolled hair. Yeah. This is around the phrase where phase where George Costanza went from mildly irritating to just constantly annoying. Yeah. Because in the first few seasons of the show, he's actually a brilliant character. He gets the accent down, though. I will say that. I had no idea who John Voight was at this point. Mm. And you bought a car because it belonged to John Voight? No, no. Yes. Rough orange flower. Yes, it's ugly though. See, though, another gigantic blazer. Yeah. On a woman. You know that shoe repair place at the end of the block? Well, if they don't get some business, they're going to have to shut down and make way for one of those gourmet coffee or cookie stones. Michael Richard's career imploded. (laughs) Well, it's because he couldn't keep his mouth shut. Yeah. Or his racism in check. Yeah. This is around the time, I think, where, like, they always had to give Kramer some sort of like wackadoo Wacky thing to B-side, do. Yeah. Yeah. Started, B-plot. They started doing that with Homer Simpson in The Simpsons after a while. Homer gets some crazy new job every episode and you're just like, this is getting tired. Things. 
Oh, so she's still working for Mr. Pitt at this point. Mm. Look at just the... So I'm mistaken. This actually did have a Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving thing, thing too. It just—it's just not the we're all trying to get together for Thanksgiving dinner thing. The Woody Woodpecker balloon. I know what happens at the, the end of this episode. They're at the party, and the balloon goes. And the, the one of them knocks a, some sort of statuette or something over and pops the balloon oh. the night before or something because Watley's got like a view of where they've got all the balloons popped oh, or something. Okay. Yeah. And I think Tim Watley's played by Brian Cranston. Yes. Chalk full of coffee. So She's what his assistant. I She's his personal assistant. I think she took the job after um, she was working for the publisher. Mm-hmm. She was an editor, and Kramer's ta- coffee table book tanked. Yes, the the publishing company, and I think this was the only job she could pick up. And then she ends up working for uh, Peterman. Jay Peterman, yeah. the urban zimbabwean. Why, would you really park your car without the top on on the New York streets? Uh, I wouldn't. No. I think they're going to tow it. a misunderstanding between Jerry and Kramer. Yes. We have never had a misunderstanding where... <laughs> yeah. We have never had a misunderstanding where you took a bunch of my shoes. It's because I know better than to touch your shoes if I, or any of your stuff unless I abs- unless you asked me to. Well, I mean, it's not like we naturally go around touching each other's stuff. I know, it's true. Look how tight Jerry's jeans are. Good God. I don't want to be a cowboy. Hey, why would you call someone up and ask them for two 
addresses if you're not invited to the party. That's the genius of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm calling Elaine. See if she can find out anything from Tim Watson. Old cordless phone with the metal yes, antenna. Yes, and you had to pull the antenna out for yeah. it to work. in an ironic way Kramer's trying to save the mm-hmm. mom and pop store and he ends up dooming it and because, ruining it yeah, ruining. Wow, this green screen is terrible. Yeah. It's pencil. Although at least I'll say at least Jerry's fridge has a uh, ice maker. Yes, it does. The what's obviously like a uh, I think it's like an app. I think it's like a Mac or something on the desk in the. No, <laughs> oh, jeez. I always forget that Jerry's name is Jerome. Yeah. <laughs> Look at the tights she is wearing. Good God. Yeah. You know what? The hell with this party. I don't even want to go to begin with. Hey, 
Here's one of those blue and purple tones. What do you mean? Well, I saw Mom and Pop this morning, but when I went by the store on my way home, the place was empty. Everything is gone. Mom and Pop vanished. So all my sneakers are gone? No. Yeah. Do you notice that, that Jerry's got a Mets season schedule on the fridge? Now, were they good in the 90s? Oh, no, they sucked. Because the my team, the Braves, were pretty good in the 90s. This was the, this was the Bobby Bonilla, the first Bobby Bonilla era, the worst team money could buy. Oh. Yeah. Burn. Yeah. Wow. Backpack. Mm-hmm. I knew quite a number of girls in school who had backpacks that were kind of like that. Well, and you know, in the 90s for a teen girl, it was all about your baby backpack. Yeah, I know. Thanks to Clueless. Yes. You know, like, Joe Puck told Or, John Boyd did. John Boyd. The actor? I make a motion that... We have no more of these meetings that have been initiated by George Cassetti. <laughs> Suppose if I had suggested Liam Neeson Day, you'd all be patting me on the back. <laughs> I guess Dan Herman's hometown blues. What did you guess? Um, it was the uh, next stop, Pottersville. Oh, uh, you know when they're giving out the passes? After the music? <laughs> Felt like I was back at Disney World for yeah, a hot no. minute. <laughs> yeah, John, John Boyd. Before he was crazy, and Angelina stopped talking to him. Yeah, it's also before like the facelift too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he looks much different there. <laughs> he bit him. Of course, Kramer would get bit by John Voight. No John Voight there, huh? No. No, I always have this doubt about the car. So the door still hurts? Yeah. Mr. Salty. Oh, I think I may have chipped the tooth when I fell yesterday. You should have somebody take a look at it. Fat free, Mr. Salty. I'm here. There's nobody working the day before Thanksgiving. Going to the party? No, I don't know if I'm invited. Well, there's going to be a lot of dentists then. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you don't want to suffer with this all weekend. Yeah, I gotta see a dentist. This is killing me. Well, I'll take it. It's, it's kind of a long way to go to set up an obvious gag at the end of the movie, at the end of the show. But <laughs> yeah. Teeth marks. John Boyd bit you? What is he, a vampire? <laughs> <laughs> I was going for his wallet. 
He left perfect imprints. That he did. Now you got that pencil with the bite marks on it? Oh, please. Kramer always initiated this sort of crap. I feel you, Jerry. <laughs> There's another bike hanging in the apartment. I know. So you're going to show up at that party with a chewed up pencil and Kramer's gnarled on. That's worth a shot. Yeah. So, Kramer, uh, you, you want to go to the party again? Jerry, look, come on. I'm an invited guest. I can't be hating and abetting some party crasher. It is always kind of funny how Kramer's the most honest one out of the group and mm. always gets everybody else in trouble. Pretty much. <laughs> Jerry's interloping. Look at that sweater. That's a Cosby sweater. And he's got a mini fade. Yes. Wow, that's some bad file footage. (laughs) The file footage is from like 1972. I know. at the Cranston. I know. It's a magnificent hair. The beard on him. The feathered yes. the feathered part in the hair. at a party yes. type of thing going on here. Well, you know, it's kind of like that Far Side cartoon, Ship of Fools, Car, car of idiots. idiots. Yeah. This is Apartment of Idiots. Yeah. Jeez. State Building thing into the Woody Woodpecker balloon. (laughs) (laughs) 
the wind machine effect yes. really made me that scene. No. <laughs> Interesting that two episodes involve balloon shenanigans. Yeah. <gasps> it's Arvid. Yes. I'm just going to leave the TV on. Of course. The bus. Uh, this, yeah, this sets up this whole end of midnight cowboy on the bus, Harry Nielsen playing. I've never seen Midnight Cowboy. I've never seen it either, but I'm familiar with the scene. Bellevue. <laughs> I don't know what that means either. Bellevue has a reputation. Bellevue's where Andy Warhol died. Oh. Yeah, it, it had a reputation back in the late '80s and early '90s of being a, you know, you didn't come back. <laughs> yeah, so it's just, it was a long way to go for the midnight cowboy reference at the end. Uh, so, which only it feels like it kind of gonna... ended like abruptly. Yeah, it's kind of like when The Simpsons ran that episode um, that was a knockoff of The Prisoner. Yes, and I had no, we, you and I had no idea it what it on. was. Yeah. Because we had no idea what the prisoner was. Yeah. This is one big... This was so uneven. It was very uneven. Yeah. I'd say out of the three episodes we watched, this is definitely the weakest. I mean, we had the least amount to say about this. You know what's interesting, though? Is it felt the shortest. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to have a lot of editing to do no, for the fine. part that we... Uh, yeah. For this one. I can say, I mean... I'll figure out how it's doing. But yeah, it's just... What's funny to me is how... I can kill it. It's funny to me is how all three of those are so different from one another. And then you get to like... Mad About You would be off of Thursday night by the next season. And you get the single guy and Caroline in the city. And then we would get stuff like Veronica's Closet... But that wasn't until we graduated. Yeah, I think from it was, I think it was our senior year of college. But we, you'd also get you get like this. They all kind of started to look the same after a while. I mean, Will and Grace was. Probably I was going to say, successful. you know what we got was Will and Grace. Yeah. I think it was what like ninety six, ninety seven, seven. Yeah, and then, but you had that like what's the Christina Applegate one. Jesse, Jesse, and you had like other ones where it, it seemed they were all also formulaic whereas these were I mean granted like Wings and Shears were very very similar they were just set in different mm-hmm. well, main I think, settings and stuff like that I think that's what's interesting is that you just rattled off a bunch of sitcoms that were all based in New York like you got it, it like they somewhere along the line networks got it in their head that oh we're just gonna all be in New York it's true because you know Wings and Shears were in Boston and and, and uh Martha's Vineyard. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, but every, the Seinfeld, Mad About You, Friends, and then Will and Grace. Um, I think Jesse was set in Buffalo, but all the other ones seem to be set in and around New York. Because I think Veronica's like, Closet or wherever it was yeah. was in New York. Just Shoot Me. That was, yeah, that was in New York. York. Yeah. Um, was News Radio ever on Thursday? 
I don't know if it was on Thursdays. I thought it was on Wednesdays. Tuesday or Wednesday, yeah. Um, so. But yeah, very, very New York-centric. And then, and then must-see TV would kind of die out as you got through. It's, it's still, Thursday night is still their comedy block, but it's not as, it's not as big as it was. But there's no ago. real, there's no real big sort of comedy nights anymore. Yeah. I mean, you'd, I'd say that right now the most um, successful night on TV is like ABC's Shonda Thursdays, and those yeah. are all hour-long, soapy kind of shows. Yeah, although... I almost feel like we're getting back to like a Dynasty Dallas Falcon Crest kind of thing, where it's these hour-long, very yeah. dramatic shows. Although I do miss the escapist fantasy part of shoulder pads and lots of money. Yeah. Well, the... the um and the the highest rated shows on on TV overall don't match up with like those because those are like the highest in the key demographic but the highest rated shows on TV are still all of the NCIS and CSI yeah i mean cbs shows is and, and the all the old Bang people Theory. shows and then you have the big bang 3 and like two and a half men is still hanging on yeah but it's the last there. season yeah so i mean cbs really I don't think either of us watch anything on CBS aside from football. And even that's irritating. I mean, I, we don't even watch The Amazing Race anymore. I mean, no. We used to love that show. Well, you know what? I, th- I mean, I think the thing is, too, where you've got, like, these shows that have big buzz that you can then, you know, the whole activity, when you look at consumer behavior and the whole activity of binge watching, I mean... Mm-hmm. I took a day off when Orange is the New Black came, came out, <laughs> the second season, well, and I, I binge watched I was sitting, that show. I was sitting at home over the summer, and while I was on the couch and couldn't really go anywhere, I was watching um, season one of Arrow over right. and over and over, you know, like I mean, every like, episode right in way, a row. I mean, that's the way people yeah. want to consume their media now. So it's like, I mean, you just wonder how long. Nielsen ratings will be around or if they will be able to pivot and actually be able to measure mobile the mobile space. I mean, even yeah. Amazon Prime's getting into it now. I've heard Transparent is really good. It just mm-hmm. got cleared for a second season. Um, so there's more in terms of mobile. I mean, will we ever have these sort of... And I think what's interesting, too, is that the shows that are doing really well are shows that are detailing an experience that the majority of the public isn't having. Yeah. I mean, the majority of the public isn't going through a, a gender transition or being in lady prison yeah. or, you know, trying to corrupt the government. Yeah, like, these yeah. these things that we're doing, they're, the things that these shows are doing, they're outside the realm of the general human experience. And I think when you look at, like, the sitcoms we watched, I mean, I think what appealed to people then was like, oh, this is... You know, you were saying me and my sister are like Monica, and, yeah, you know, well, or like Ross and Monica, about, and yeah. you know, everybody can relate to being a young married couple with a family. You know, and that like, goes all the way whatever. back to. Um, I mean, shit that goes back to like the honeymooners, right? And I love Lucy. And, you know. So I think we're at a place now where it's almost like you're out. The things that are popular are just completely outside of a general human experience. Yeah, and what was interesting, at least with Friends, um, and I think Seinfeld to a certain extent, but Friends and ER were two shows that. Um, and granted, we were in college during those two shows, Heyday, but those were like a group watch show where mm-hmm. a lot of, a, like, we would get together with people, I mean, you and I, not not you and I, because we were three hours away from each other, but I would get together We'd with get people with our on, friends. On, on friends on Thursday night to watch those shows. Yeah. <clears throat> and because then I'd go out, you know, and, and ER, 
ER sustained. We didn't really watch that because it's just long, and I haven't watched. I think the last episode I watched of ER was the one where Kelly Martin's character died, and that was probably two thousand. That was or such so. a freaky episode. Yeah, I just remember. Well, it was funny because then, like, I like third and fourth year, we'd get together, and I can't remember if it was on Thursdays or Wednesday. It might have been Wednesday night. We would get everyone would get together to watch South Park. Yes. So. You know, there was this sort of, like, this resurgence of, like, again, animation outside of the human experience. A little edgy, a little, like, profane. Um, And you you were kind of getting away from that more, oh, isn't everybody glamorous and great looking? And I I think you're onto something with regard to the the way people watch TV. Because CBS CBS is the highest rated network, probably because it skews older and older people... They love their shows. Are going to keep watching TV the way they always watch TV. You know, I don't like The Big Bang Theory and Two and a Half Men, but there are a lot of people older than us who love those shows, Mm -hmm. my parents. But NBC had Community, Parks and Rec, 30 Rock. Rock, You know, and these are shows that people will... The Office. People will stream. But the I don't think the advertising revenue model is caught up with that yet, and that's why they were always in the bubble for... You know, I mean, the last show we watched on CBS was How I Met Your Mother. Mm-hmm. Other than that, that was it. And you know, and yeah. even that was—it was never edgy, edgy, but it definitely had a little bit more sophistication than some of the other shows, at least in its first few seasons. It was probably the most like a Friends or it was very Friends. What? Ha- yeah, it was very yeah. much like like a Friends, a little and a little more cheeky. I think yeah. not as earnest. Yeah, but but you're right. I mean, even even the the modern sitcom has change to the point where you're doing several of them you can watch several of them back to back I mean we I don't think we watch a single show live that we absolutely have to watch Mm-mm. you know except football and except like a sporting event yeah or the soup every week because we happen to be up and there's nothing else on at 10 o'clock on a Wednesday night but right. Brooklyn Nine-Nine for instance which we DVR every week we just watch that that show is so funny want to, and it's really really and it is really really funny and it's it's actually such a typical sitcom. It's so Barney Miller and like those older, you know, but making it, fun of cop shows and things like that. But you can tell. And actually, I was actually pretty proud of the the guys who. I mean, it was developed by the guys who did Parks and Rec, and mm-hmm. I actually appreciated that it wasn't another faux documentary. Yeah. That even they finally realized, hey, this is kind of played. We're yeah. just gonna we're gonna play it straight. Um, but with a twist, like I thought. Although you can see a lot of the different, char- I mean, like you, like you know, uh, you, Scully is pretty much Jerry yeah, from Parks and Rec. And, yeah, you, you can know. see a lot of the typical workplace comedy people. But that show has that show is very, very strongly cast too, mm-hmm. and, and you couldn't pull that show off with. I mean, Seinfeld had that. Seinfeld could not have been have not have been successful if it wasn't for the four actors who who were the main characters. I mean, as, as irritating as. George Costanza got Jason Alexander played that character very very well. It's just I got it got annoying when all he ever did toward the, through the last few seasons was shout every single line. Right. I think what was interesting though is like, and if I'm gonna sit here and be kind of philosophical about it, is during that episode the reason why I was kind of quiet is because so much of it felt really claustrophobic, and that not and even though they were in different places like it just yeah. felt so claustrophobic because they were so far up their own asses yeah. <laughs> with the experience on the show yeah. that it was like there is no 
Like, there's just no sort of diversity. The one moment of diversity is when Jerry's, the white guy, is running away from two brown Shady people, guy, yeah. you know, who are pseudo-threatening or yeah. whatever. It's like, it's white people, white people, white people, doing white people stuff in this white person bubble. And the big, you know, I mean, and it's just, it's it really struck me. I mean, God, at least in the episode of Friends, when Joey comes out of the coffee shop, there's, a, there's an African-American guy <laughs> sitting there reading the paper. Like... I mean, at least there's something. Um, yeah. At least there's, you know, at least I'm mad about you. They, they're they Jewish or yeah, whatever. Yeah, there's so, that, yeah, there's that whole... There's that whole sort of like, you know, and there's an Asian guy in the bodega or whatever. Yeah. I mean, like, there's just... A, the Seinfeld thing is just... It's like, it's, it is white people problems it, cranked up to 11. It's also... This is the thing. There, there's a point in maybe the third or fourth season of Seinfeld where the lighting changes and the color palette changes and everything gets very dark and everything feels shot a lot more close up it's than like it a did. Buñuel film it, no, it, no not in that way but you, there, if you watch the first couple of it's seasons of Seinfeld, and, and look at the set pieces from the first couple of seasons of Seinfeld and look at these later seasons there's a marked difference and you're right it feels more claustrophobic in later years and you also know that like, there's more outdoor street sets and things that mm. obviously are fake but at the same time, you're right. It is, and and that is one of the thing. Like when they're at that party, and you know they have all the people in your typical like it. You know it, it's it. The, first of all, the party set up like your typical Saturday Night Live sketch where mm-hmm. you have all the background actors just kind of doing the little rhubarb, yeah, whatever. Yeah. But it's these four morons who are going to do something stupid, and that's basically what every episode of that show started to become, as opposed to, you know a more natural flow to the, you know, like the Chinese restaurant or the getting lost in the mm-hmm. mall parking lot or, or some of the other ones where it felt like those could happen or like, well, those you are could, very Peter Sellers esque yeah. kind of like this. It just gets more and more ridiculous. Yeah, but like, here's Kramer just like inadvertently destroying somebody's life again. And yeah. you know, it, it became very, I don't want to say hack, but it definitely, you know, and, it was such a pattern. Yeah, and, and the characters got more and more unlikable, which is why I think they what they tried to do with the finale of the show is show you really how horrible these people really were and kind of poke fun at the way we all sort of tried to relate to them, but it didn't work that well. But you know who did it really well <laughs> was the Amazing World of Gumball episode. <laughs> we, op- the episode the we saw. The finale one? No, the one where they were like, oh God, we're finally going to get yeah, to come it's up. Called, it's called that finale. Yeah, the yeah. finale. And, and it just ends. Yeah. And it's like, but they, you know, it's because I think what that, what that episode possessed that the finale of Seinfeld did not was... They became self-aware. Yeah. They became self-aware and then, of course... And then they embraced who they yeah, were yeah. and they were like, what we've got to do to fix yeah. this is break everything. Yeah, and I think and I think what work with that is that it's not the fact that it was animated and you could do crazy, crazy, fantastical things because there's still if there's still assholes at the end of the episode, right. it doesn't work. And that's the thing with Seinfeld. It just... They never... Now, Seinfeld never made any apologies for itself, but there was never a moment where you were like... I'm a terrible person. Yeah, yeah, I'm a terrible person. And it, it the other thing about the Seinfeld finale is that it's way too long. Yeah, it was very long. You know, the Friends finale suffers the same fate. It's well, this I mean, loaded <clears throat> any piece. series finale, I think, is... I mean, look at How I Met Your Mother. I mean, <sighs> God, wow, they really shot a chance to do something great. <laughs> that, that finale should have been the last six episodes of the show. 
That's what the thing that bothered me. It's I didn't. I was never bothered by the fact that he was talking about the fact that he wanted to be with Robin the whole time, and he was talking about the, that the mom had died. But had they stretched that out into the last half of the season or so, it would have felt more organic rather than we've wasted so much time in this wedding, and now we're going to shove everything into like an hour and a half or however long it was. Right, or just you know, you I know. mean, and listen, it's free entertainment. You can know oh, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But actually, I was more irritated that they spent a whole season on a wedding and they only stayed married three years. Yeah, it's and like, then got a divorce. <laughs> I was yeah. like, what? And you never got you know it. I don't know. You just you're asked to invest you know some sort of belief in these characters, and then it's just like, oh yeah, hey, we're gonna undo everything. Yeah. And also, it was Robin the whole time, and it's like, yeah. Yeah. The fact that it was Robin great. the whole time, it got annoying. The other thing I think, I wonder if they didn't expect the audience to like the mother as much as the audience liked the mother. Because, I mean, they think... They so think they, they should have done a shittier job of no, casting her? No, I mean, like, I think they wanted her. They wanted them to like her, but I think it was almost like they liked her way too much. Like, I think... The most of the fans, like when you read yeah. message board or whatever about, about what was going on with the show, is that throughout that season, people wanted to see the mother more. Yeah, and and I don't think I think they were happy that they liked them. They just didn't expect them to like her that much. And then, like you know, there was a sense of betrayal at the end, not because she had died, because that had been clued. Yeah. They had been dropping hints for years. It was just, yeah, you know. Probably talking way too much about oh, I know other shows that but, but is like, not <laughs> in the nineties. Yeah, and well, I don't know. Like, I, I think what's funny is that you have you also have like three different decades of people's lives in, or three different places in people's lives in those three shows that we watch because you have this group of young twenty somethings. Um, the only thing that was mar- the very one of the very few things that was marketed marketed directly to Generation X that Generation X actually latched onto. Yeah. Because that, besides you know, Nirvana. Besides Nirvana, you know, but like you know, the, the, <laughs> with the portrayal of re- Generation X, because reality bites had bombed, singles had bombed, like any movie they tried to put out and say like. But reality hey, bites is, like, is a cult classic. Oh, it's a cult classic, but it, in theaters, although it's it, a terrible movie. Yeah, a lot of the things that we, it's a. It's a it's a fun movie to watch. It's you not watch you watch it for Janine Garofalo and um, what's his name? Steve Zahn. Steve Zahn. <laughs> I, Ethan Hawke is so fucking irritating. Yeah, he, well, movie. Ethan Hawke is fucking irritating in general. <laughs> but like... yes, um, you watch it for Steve Zahn and uh, yeah. Janine. But like some of the movies, some of the movies and stuff that had um, there is actually a story when I was doing the episode about singles that. And I don't know how true it is, but one of the stories about the creation of Friends was that somebody at Warner Television had seen that movie and as as unsuccessful as it was said, we should do a show about a group of people in a coffee shop. And it was kind of, it was almost like they they were looking for that when they found Friends. Mm -hmm. So it kind of has a tenuous connection to the start of Friends. And they cast a very photogenic cast who actually had... A fair amount of character actor TV experience. I mean, granted, Matthew Perry, I remember from like some shitty Fox sitcom in the mid 80s, and then that one episode of 90210 he did where he, Brandon thought he killed his father or something. It was okay. in the first couple of seasons <laughs> of the show. Sure. And then you had Vinny. Yes, Vinny. <laughs> and, and Lisa Kudra had been showing up on Mad About You for a while. Yes, she was the. Um... She was Ursula. Yeah. And um, well, Courtney, Courtney Cox was the one that everybody knew. Yeah, from Family Ties. From Family Ties. And, of course, 
the Bruce Springsteen video. Yes. And 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 as of late, um, a movie that nobody expected to do well. Ace Ventura. Uh, Ace Ventura, yeah. And then um, Schwimmer had been on The Wonder Years, but you really would have had to remember that. Mm-hmm. And um, he, I, from what I understand, he had been in NYPD Blue yes. prior to that. Mm-hmm. And then Jennifer Aniston... Had been in Leprechaun. Leprechaun, yes, Leprechaun. But she had been on that Julie Brown sketch show yes. with Wayne Knight, The, the Edge. Edge. Yes. So, plus her dad is like the king of soap operas. Yeah, isn't he? Um, He's on Days of Our Lives. Victor Kyriakis. Yeah, I think. I no, think wasn't he on? Wasn't he on the, the Restless? No, you're thinking of Victor Newman. Okay. And that's the character's name. Oh, okay. The guy who played Robin's father. Oh, yeah, That, yeah, yeah, that one yeah, season yeah, yeah. of, and now we've brought a full circle, yeah. of How I, I Met Your Mother. mother. Yes. Before he, they got um, 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 the, that one guy who plays everybody. Leland Palmer. Yeah, Leland Palmer. <laughs> Dalton Voss from The Chase. Yeah, the uh, the devil from, um, what was that show on the Reaper? W? Reaper. Reaper. That show was hysterical. That's, that guy is one of those character actors that shows up in a lot of things. He always looked like Morton Downey Jr. to me. But um, he does look like oh my god he does look yeah. like Morton Downey Jr. Morton Downey Jr.'s been dead for years now. That's a podcast worth doing. Uh, but, oh my god! Um, I remember watching his show sometimes at night and just being like, "What the hell is this crap?" I, I mean, this was pre Jerry Springer. I never saw. Um, I was doing. I did on my other podcast, the one I do the Batman Robin. I did an episode with somebody um, and. We read an old issue of Detective Comics from about 1992, and it made it made an obvious. It had a stand-in for Geraldo Rivera, and it made a reference. Robin, Robin, and Alfred were watching a special where they were opening an old gangster's vault, and 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 the character had a nose had a bandage over his nose, and the guy Donovan, the guy I was podcasting with, is. But he's about ten years younger or so than we oh, are. He didn't know so what that was. I I explained to him the whole thing with the Al Capone's vault, and I explained to him the whole thing with the. the I saw the chair throwing episode yes. of Geraldo. I can't remember. It was that with skinheads. It was skinheads. The KKK. It was the KKK skinheads. Um, it was basically like the black black Panthers? black people and uh, yeah, a military black. And it was it, it was basically <laughs> it was like three or four different groups that. You put them in a room together, and there's no way this doesn't end badly. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, um, but yeah, no. They have this going back to friends. You have this this group of twenty something, and then mad about you is a married couple in their very early thirties, having just been married and living in New York, which is funny because you're like talking about how there was so young when we were twenty six, but we were in DC, mm-hmm. and this is New York, and it's one of those weird socio sociological things where people in cities who are professionals, young professionals, do get married later because of... Well, we only got married at the age we did because we had already been together for umpteen million years. Yeah, plus we had a long engagement because we needed to secure the wedding date that we wanted for the venue. Exactly. (laughs) I couldn't get the St. Regis on a year timeline. Yeah, we had to wait. It was just, you know, but we had friends getting married right around the same time, too. I think we were... Kind of, we were in the middle. We were in the middle of a, of a big throw, yeah. So, so Paul and Jamie got married probably about twenty nine, and then Paul and Jamie yeah, on the show. Oh, I thought on you meant show. no. Russ, Russ and Jamie, Jamie got married. Russ, I was like, Russ and Jamie got married twenty three. 
No, Paul and Jamie on the show are married. They were about both 29. Or she was 29. I don't know what age they gave him. I think they were supposed to be around the same age. And then, so in this, they're probably about 31, 32. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then all the characters in Seinfeld, you've, you go for about maybe 8 or 10 years. I think Jerry Seinfeld was in his very early 40s at that point. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how old Julia Louis-Dreyfus or Jason Alexander were, but I think they were supposed to be portraying single people in their late 30s, mm-hmm. which in a city like New York is not uncommon. Well, I mean, Sex in the City built their whole yeah. run on how impossible it is to find yeah. a decent person in New York. And yet Jerry had this parade of girlfriends. This is one of the few episodes where Jerry didn't have... Well, he, well, I mean, know. he was a comedian. Women yeah. like performers. <laughs> so, Despite their dad jeans and white sneakers. Oh, God, the dad jeans and white sneakers. What do you think? This was worth looking at because it's been neither of us has really watched I mean I think we watched an episode of Friends recently because we just happened across it on TBS and it was one of the better ones I think what's interesting is is I was just sitting here thinking I was like you know while this was happening on NBC you had like Ellen which was on ABC and I don't remember what year she ends up coming out on the show but ninety. It's about a year or two later yeah so you know it was Mm pre-revolutionary I guess and then you had you know, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, mm-hmm. which was very successful African-American comedy. You had a really diverse cast on a show like NYPD Blue. Mm-hmm. Um, you had all this stuff kind of going on. And when I think of being a teenager in the 90s, I always thought about... I always hearken back to thinking, like, oh, you know, it was when, you know, we were very well-educated uh, yeah. to be sexually healthy because of the, you know, because of AIDS and, mm-hmm. you know, I'm I'm sitting here, a white girl in the South saying, ooh, I really wanted a cross colors outfit because hip hop was really big and I know in my high school there were, you know, there was a lot of interracial dating and nobody yeah. really cared. I mean, we kind of reached this point where it was like, it was okay to have this diversity and there was well, a lot of sort of revolutionary stuff going on and then we're watching these, these were the top rated sitcoms in America in mm-hmm. the 90, or like this year 1994 and it's completely not anything that I remember from my experience as a teenager. Well, we, because we were, I don't know what it was like to watch TV in your house but in my house we had two TVs, we had the one in the basement and the one in the den and it depended on who was in front of the TV. And usually at this point in the night, my parents were. And they were probably right. watching these shows. And if right. I wanted to watch something else... Well, I mean, I, I watched Friends, too. I mean, we yeah. would watch it together. Yeah. It's not... I don't want to sit here and say, like, oh, I was, you know, listening to, you know, my Nirvana while I, you know, hung out with my Benetton cast yeah, of, of Friends. A lot of us still watch TV with our a lot parents of, Yeah, I mean, exactly. A lot of us still watch TV with our parents. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know... I think about the things that I'm kind of proud to have been part of yeah. as, you know, a young person in the 90s. And it's just funny to look at these sort of cultural touchstones and be like, as much as I like to look back and think of myself as being really open-minded and really part of something, day-to-day basis, I'm just a white kid in the suburbs. Well, yeah, and the, so. the, thing that, the thing that people our age connected to, um, it's we're recording this on the 15th, and I was on Twitter the other day, and Judd Winnick tweeted that Pedro Zamora died 20 years ago uh, last this past Tuesday because mm. he died on November 11th and it was the either the day after or the day of the last episode of that season mm-hmm. you died within hours of this show airing and that I'm, I'm doing my next episode on that and that at least for people our age was probably more 
like you were talking about, like all the acceptance of, um, you know, diversity, and that was a you that was probably one of the most diverse casts of mm-hmm. that show that that they ever had. You had someone who was you had two people who were Hispanic. You had um, a, the Jewish kid from Long Island. Mm-hmm. You had um, somebody the who was Latino gay. Catholic. You had the Latino Catholic. You had a, a, a African American Muslim. You had and Puck, but you had. Yeah, you know, but so yeah, but you the, had, um, uh, you the had Asian, Asian doctor. Yeah. Um, and so you had this like, and and they were all around the same age. So there was, you know, that was a show that was very very highly rated, but it wasn't pulling like you know. When I think Seinfeld that, numbers. that is the MTV effect, though, because I think MTV always did try to be. I mean, the first episode, uh, the first episode, the first the season, season of the Real yeah. World was diverse. Um, yeah. I think they tried to make it the second season diverse. It you know it it did what it did. They but, yeah. hated each other. But, you know, it's like... But that third season, it kind of... You know, there was that sort of... It had a soul. It had a conscience. It wasn't mm-hmm. just this fishbowl experiment anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, MTV played a lot of... Played a huge role, I think, in terms of, you know, broadening people's horizons and sort of breaking down racial barriers and um, sort of sexuality barriers. I mean, yeah. oh, my God. The thing you should do... A podcast on is the Sex in the Nineties episodes. We'll probably do that eventually. <laughs> that series was we, amazing. We have them on tape somewhere. I know. So we'll probably. Well, they ran a marathon that one time, and I know you taped it. But like, yeah, that. And oh my god, if I could do one on House of Style, <laughs> I would just lose it. Like, I love House of Style, and yeah. I know that they have the um, the archives. I think on MTV.com. I don't know if they'll ever release it again because of music rights, I think, like the real yeah. world. but The real world, what they've done with the real world shows, which is, can be very distracting at times, like I was telling you the other day, is they replaced a lot of the um, the hit songs with very generic music. Right. With generic sounding scoring, which right. they probably do with some of the House of Style. Which would be unfortunate because the thing that made House of Style what it was was this beautiful fashion, these cool kind of quirky things, and then they always picked the right music. To yeah. go with everything. Well, it's not, MTV really knew how to put a show like that. They together. did. They knew how to put a show together. I mean, it bled into everything. Yeah. Um, I used to. I still have them. The Cindy Crawford workout videos. They look like an MTV music video because of the music they picked. Yeah. Um, and the way they shot it. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I was. That was actually one of the big advantages. That, I know you didn't have cable, but one of the biggest advantages <laughs> of plenty having, of friends you did having cable as a teen yeah. was just a really broad. When you are just a white girl and in a yeah. gated community in the South, it really opens up your your it, mind. And I was looking at um, for for putting together the next episode. I was looking to see what music I wanted to use along with it, like what would go with it. So I was looking at what was charting in 1994, because the Billboard Hot 100 well, I'm sure there was still like archives. Taylor Dane and But the funny thing <laughs> was, well no, this is the funny thing was, like, you know, if you go back five years earlier than 94, well, maybe like five or ten years, maybe ten years earlier, you probably had a lot of that kind of pop you know, white people pop Michael or Bolton. hair. Yeah, yeah. But like now, there was some Michael Bolton on the charts, but you had charting, now Michael Bolton and Celine Dion were there. The Power of Love was a very well, yeah. huge song around this time in 1984. And there was one of the, it was like kind of the last gasp of Michael Bolton that the song was, I said I loved you, but I lied. Which Ew. I kind of remember I because remember my mom all, listened to Michael Bolton. Um, but you had in the top 20 around this time, around through 94, especially through the summer and into the fall, um, Salt and Pepper. <gasps> um, you know, yes. you What a Man. You had also. Um, in the top 20, I think. TLC, was, you had, probably. You had TLC. You had... Um, the Bodyguard soundtrack. You had, yeah, you had, you had a lot of 
R and B. And the funny thing is, is like you know, I a lot of people remember. People think you think '90s music, and very often you will automatically start with alternative. But alternative only if you're looking at the actual Billboard charts. Alternative has a is a blip. Mm-hmm. It's it's just kind of a, a it, if you're into alternative, it's a it's a much better thing. But you you don't want to look at the Billboard charts. But if you want to look at rap, hip hop, and R and B. This is where it really started. Mm-hmm. MTV is a big, big part of that. But you know, you had, um, I think, I think Tupac's at this point getting bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, Janet Jackson's Janet well, album when had Janet come out. came out. I mean, yeah. Janet came and this out. This is and around when Janet had come out because there was at least one or two singles from that. Well, it came album out in '93. Yeah. So. So she was still riding the success of that. Yeah. Album. Yeah. And. Well, that's when singles didn't come out as close together. No, you could ride. You could ride an album for a couple of years, and some some artists still do. Well, imagine Dragons has. Yeah, they they're just now putting out. I think their new records coming out in January. Yeah, I just sound like an old lady. Their new record, <laughs> but um, I mean, all I mean, they've had like how many charting hits? I think like four or five. They're yeah. all from the same album. But like back in back in the early to mid nineties, you could have. I mean, a couple of years later, you would have. Um, Alanis Morissette and No Doubt wrote their mm-hmm. first big albums for at least a couple of years. Yeah. You know, they they kept releasing singles off of Jagged Little Pill and off of Tragic Kingdom well, because you know, they would chart. Well, and you know what really helped a lot of bands and artists in the 90s, too, is if they didn't have an album out, or if they had an album out, they could also get on a movie soundtrack. Yeah. Like the Batman and Robin soundtrack and like the bodyguard yeah. or, you know, I had all these different soundtracks. Um, but, uh, now it's just get your, get your song into a commercial. It's really, gone it really very well, interesting. You know, that's Apple. Yeah. That's the Apple effect. Well, actually yeah. I would even go back further to the late nineties. That's the Moby effect because that's how he grew. Oh God. Moby's. His reputation is like when you, a bunch of songs off of play were in commercials before you knew who did them and that they were on an album. Yeah. There was the one song that was in a Nordstrom, Nordstrom commercial. commercial. It was in a lot of different yeah. commercials. And then it, it, it ebbs and flows, of course, because there are some times where you're just sick of hearing, and then you hear the song on the radio, and you're like, "Oh, that's an actual song." Actually, that's funny. I was because I was when I was driving uh, to and from North Carolina, I was playing, and actually, I could do a total podcast on this. I did, so I played my iPod for the first time in years, and it's basically a time capsule of like 2005, 2008, 2000. 11 ish but one of the songs that's on there that's actually from the past year or so is a uh, tongue-tied by a uh, group love mm-hmm. and um i first heard it in an ipod commercial or like an apple commercial and that's when i downloaded it so i mean that i mean getting in a commercial is still a great way to get your song out there yeah it's it's and back then you wouldn't have had you i think the last big Oh my God! This is a song I've heard on the radio in a commercial that I remember in the early to mid '90s was when Crystal Pepsi used Van <laughs> right Halen's now. "Right yeah. Now." And other than that, you'd ne- the only time you would hear a, a a hot group, whether it be R and B rapper or hip hop, or it was metal, alternative, or punk was on like a local radio station commercial on TV where it's like, you know, Q104, we have Stone Temple Pilots. And they like show a 10 second, not even 10 second, two second clip of yeah. the video for Plush or something like that, you know, because they didn't really do that very often. Commercials in the 90s were not 
<laughs> the only thing that hasn't changed in the past 20 to 30 years are toy commercials. They still are They're loud, still obnoxious, the and they still suck. But <laughs> They're so bad. <laughs> this is what happens when you have a kid. Oh you realize God. that the Barbie commercials from 30 years ago are very much the same as the Barbie commercials. It's probably why Mattel is suffering right now. Yeah. <laughs> They've had like year-over-year losses for a while. Barbie yeah. is dying. So NBC, starting in about 80... 283-84 when you have you have Cheers and then Family Ties and the Cosby Show on Thursday and running all the way until about the last few years I mean they they t- it tapered off in the last decade or so because 30 Rock and Parks and Rec in the office as good as they were never held the audience that no. that there should, should so it starts to taper off in the nights but they were a powerhouse on Thursday night I mean even when they weren't the first place network they were still winning Thursday night and you could tell if you look at the schedule the rest of the networks at this point um at 8 o'clock, you had, uh, on CBS, it was Due South. I have no idea what that is. It was a show about a Mountie. <laughs> it was a cop show about a Mountie in who had to work in the United States with a cop. Or, I don't remember. That sounds like a Simpsons episode. Um, Fox had Living Single and Martin. <gasps> I loved Living Single and Martin. And uh, ABC <laughs> had My So-Called Life. And actually, I looked up, to, I just wanted to see what episodes were on. And the night these aired was the night that the episode of My So-Called Life where Jordan and Angela are making out in the ballroom and in the end it's that Buffalo Tom song where he holds his hand in the hallway and everybody's mm-hmm. like, squee. That, that's the episode that ran this night, which I cannot remember if I was watching that. Or I probably was not. At the, I missed, There were big chunks of that show where I didn't watch it first run, but and this might have been one of them because I'm pretty sure I remember seeing that Seinfeld and I remember seeing that Mad About You I didn't really pick up Friends until maybe the second half of the season. Yeah. For whatever reason. I was probably doing homework all the time. That's probably what it was. I remember I had this <clears throat> I had this kid, he was um I was a senior, he was a junior. And I guess if I'm if I were less clueless back then, I would have realized he actually probably wanted to like go out on a date or something. But like we used to talk all the time. He was like, Are you watching this new show, Friends? It's hysterical. You should totally watch the show. And I'm like, Okay. So I think the first episode I watched was when Joey was like a mall elf. <laughs> so it was a couple weeks after this Thanksgiving episode. It was he it was something about Christmas. I just remember he was in like a elf outfit. I mine might have been a little later than that. It might have been a few episodes leading up to Carol giving birth. Mm. I do remember I watched like the last three or four episodes of the show. And then like I said, Seinfeld I watched if I happened to be in the room at this point. Whereas two years prior to that that was two years prior to that was the season where they won Best Comedy and it was the season with the contest and the sitcom and that and I watched that like like my friends and I would talk about that on Thursday, on Friday morning. Like, did you see Seinfeld last night? And that, like, within two years, I was not watching that show as much as I did. So this is where my South is showing. I never watched Seinfeld <laughs> as a teenager. Like at my house in college, I didn't start watching Seinfeld until I started dating you, and you would come <laughs> to my house, and like we would meet at my house yeah, for the yeah, weekend. Yeah. And um, that comedy block would be on Fox 5 News. Oh, it was... was, Shout out to Fox 5 in reruns. It would be like The Simpsons Simpsons and Seinfeld Seinfeld and like a bunch of other shows. And that's when... And I I had seen the Seinfeld finale because it... 
everybody, everybody was watching watched it. And I knew enough finale. about Like, I knew what the yeah. soup Nazi was. I knew what soup <clears> was. <throat> yeah. So I watched the finale, but I did not watch any other part of Seinfeld until we and, started dating. Because I was like, I do not care. Because, again, in their thir- late 30s in New York, it's like a place yeah. I didn't care about. <laughs> and people who well, were too and old. what's funny is that, that and I, I had, watched it. I had heard of the show when it first came out. And I think it was Uncle Lou who had said, have you been watching the show? Seinfeld was probably Thanksgiving or Christmas something. And he told me about one bit that Jerry had or whatever. So I picked the show up about maybe three episodes later. And it was in those first couple of seasons. And it was where I got a lot of the references. And I and I recognized the characters. Not that I related to any of the characters, but I recognized the characters as people, older people I knew. Mm. Family or friends of the family and stuff like well, that. Well, you're from so, Long Island. Because I'm from Long Island. <laughs> yeah, and, and that was that was one of the things. And, you know... Friends. Well, everyone was watching. Everybody friends. was watching. Yeah. I mean, to the point where, like, I remember we had a friends viewing party for the second season premiere. My RA threw it freshman year or whatever, and then we all sat around and watched the single guy for about maybe five minutes because mm-hmm. that show was mm-hmm. not very quickly good. dispersed. Yes, well, you know, it's one of the guys from Weekend at Bernie's and yeah, a other people. I don't even remember what it was about. I mean, Jonathan Silverman was in it. That's the only thing I remember. Yeah, about, that's about it. it. And and um. And then Caroline, Caroline in the city, I think, hung around for a couple more years than that. Mm-hmm. That had its moments too, but then it, it got. That was another one that just kind of, they tried, they kept trying to replicate Friends mm-hmm. because Friends became this phenomenon that you know posters and soundtracks and, you know, yeah, a hairstyle. Mm-hmm. I had know. a Rachel. Everybody, there were a lot of people I knew who had the. I didn't look like Jennifer Aniston, but I had a Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> and um and yeah so but yeah it's just it's interesting to see how that was all appointment television then and you're right it's now it's just these dramas that we're watching i mean we don't watch scandal but you've watched it i tried watching online. it but i mean i love olivia pope's wardrobe but yeah. the rest of it i couldn't abide we were watching um lost and lost, lost was in yeah. the same way where it was a very complex dramatic television well show and lost a- had a lot of Copycats, yeah. When they tried to, it was so, just like the X Files had a lot of copycats yeah. in yeah. twenty four yeah. and and um, but then people watch Game of Thrones and The Walking Dead, and we watch Mad Men, as and that that's become the appointment television where it isn't a here's the family you can relate to. I don't think right. anybody it's ever completely escapist. Yeah. Well, and I think that's where you look at shows like Arrow and The Flash and Game... I mean, I think... It, I've said this before. It is a, it is peak geek right now. <laughs> like, there is no better time yeah. in history to be a comic book aficionado. <laughs> like, because it it's everywhere. And they yeah. really... I mean, I think we've talked before about how... Marvel does a really excellent job of like pulling in people who aren't naturally comic book nerds like mm-hmm. myself um, because they kind of it's almost like a lost thing where they weave yeah. in these Easter eggs and there's this backstory and like when you watch the movie you know to stick around for the end yeah. credits because you're going to get like a preview of something else and yeah, but you it, see the memes and you know what they yeah. mean but at the same time it's not they're, they they do a really good job of not being so far up their own ass that well, that's you what won't I mean. get it as a general audience right like I went and I went and saw the Avengers I, yeah. I, didn't, I, I hadn't seen any of the Iron Man movies like you actually caught up you saw yeah you I went watched back and all, watched them all and I kind of paid attention to Captain America <clears throat> And I fell asleep during Thor. I, I hadn't really seen anything, and I only went to see the movie because the power was out and I was hot. Yeah, because <laughs> it was after the derecho. So, 
And I thoroughly enjoyed the movie. And I really liked the second Captain America. And I really liked the second Thor we just happened to watch. And I thought they were all good. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a way to kind of, you know, they've made they've done a good job of making it accessible, with, but but still sort of maintaining their, their geek cred. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so. and, the, and the family sitcom has, the sitcom itself is, is dying. And the family sitcom is ghettoized to like... Um, Friday night on ABC again. We have that awful, awful Tim Allen show that's yeah, still. On. I think that's, that's still on the air bad. too. Yeah. Um, or Disney, Disney Channel, like the Disney Channel where they're running like basically everything. And the, the show that I give credit for that is Saved by the Bell. They mm-hmm. all like they all kind of stem from that sort of bright Saturday morning cartoonish looking set that 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 show um, perpetuated. But, you know, that was just, uh, but you don't have, like, you know, what television was in the 80s and the early 90s was all, like, I mean, there were dramas, but it was really all sitcom. Like, that was the big, the the, the big money makers were the sitcoms, and they would all lead into, like, you'd have a sitcom block on most nights, and it would lead into that 10 o'clock drama. Because L.A. Law was the 10 o'clock drama on NBC, Hill Street Blues before that, you know, and, and. CBS had Dallas, ABC had Dynasty, but they were always on it. There Dallas was, always, was Friday night, right? It was like nine o'clock Friday night. I think so. And but Dynasty was on like on Wednesdays, but they were always on at like ten o'clock. Oh yeah. And because they were more adult, and you know, but now Walking Dead comes on. I think at like nine. Nine Mad Men comes on at ten. You know, like they're, well, they're cable, cable. Show, they're cable too. They're, but, yeah, they're cable shows. But like you know, Scandal and and some of the other shows are coming on you know earlier because it's like okay, people want. Although it's drama. funny because did you hear about the the drama where it was like they aired the like a, pumpkin, they aired the great pumpkin and it cut right to Olivia Pope getting yeah. down with Scott Foley or whatever. It's like uh oh. Um, so you know, beware. Sean the Thursdays. It's not for kids. <laughs> we haven't even really touched upon the WB, and I think we don't need to. Well, you know, really watched. I mean, speaking about peak geek, I mean, we never watched Buffy, but you know who did? My parents. <laughs> I like every single episode, everything so. I've heard about that show, I should have been into that show. But every fan I've met about from, like everybody I knew who loved that show, got so annoying that I didn't want to watch the show. Well, you're that's the way you are. Yeah, I know. You don't like it when people like things. It makes you want to not like them. Well, it depends on what it is. No, it's pretty much everything. Okay, I, I'm. It's just <laughs> I've known you long enough to know okay. that if. God, if it hits mass amounts of likes, you're just like, I'm not watching it. That um, might have been one of the reasons that I well, stopped watching Seinfeld. Although, I think Seinfeld started to get worse. Well, I think that's I th- why I stopped watching. It, it, it started to get really, really popular. And then it started to just like, it, it wasn't getting, it wasn't funny. Well, that's the thing. It's like, much. and I think that's where even when I, I mean, I could watch it and I could appreciate certain episodes. I can maybe count on two hands. The episodes that I laughed the entire time. Yeah. And I'm just, it's just, it's just not my kind of thing. And that's why when we were trying to watch Career Enthusiasm, I was like, I have so much secondhand embarrassment yeah. for all of these people in the show, I can't watch it. Well, my favorite episode of Seinfeld was the, was the hour-long Keith Hernandez one. Part of that is the Mets fan thing, but part of that is because it's, but if you look at that, it's like, there's, it's, it's so dated now. Well, yeah. Between all of the references that are made and all the little bits and stuff, even though there are some very, very funny bits that will. George coming out of the bathroom 
and screaming, say Vanderlei, say Vanderlei with his mm-hmm. pants around his ankles while Kramer's on the phone will never stop being funny. But then there's references to like JFK and all these things where it's like if you weren't there. Yeah, the the, the Zapruder the film, spitter. the Spectre Spitter. Like, yeah. and, and Roger McDowell and Keith Hernandez, like, if you don't know that, you're not going to get it. So it seems like. But you know, that's a, that is a very 90s thing, is I felt like the 90s got very referential. Mm-hmm. Um, or and kind of winky wink, but it was very much of a time because I, re- I mean, I think the reason why, like, I, I think Friends is aged okay. Like the references, like you know what Hootie and the Blowfish are. Yeah, you know, you know what that stuff is, and that's you know whatever we get it. But I remember thinking about Will and Grace, and it was written in kind of this very like um, machine gun kind of pace, and it there were tons of stuff. I mean, I remember Will doing like a. You know, is that your final answer and like a yeah. religious voice and everyone's cracking up. But honestly, if you watch it like 10 years later and you don't know what the hell he's talking about, you're like, why is this so damn funny? And it, there was those references were in that show. It was like like a Bravo show. Like it was those references were in there all the time. And there were yeah. a lot of references in Friends, and a lot of references in Seinfeld, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, a lot of like kind of these cheeky, very much like this is happening right now, which probably made the show. And actually, so now I'm going to bring it full circle in a second, probably made it feel really fresh when you were watching it. Because you're like, oh, my God, yes, they worked they work that piece of dialogue in. And yeah. who, who wants to be a millionaire just got popular and they're working it in already. And isn't that hilarious? You know, but the way but that meshed with the way people consume those shows then. Yeah. Like if you're wa- you know if you're watching it now or you're watching a show on a mobile device or if you you're waiting for an entire you know season to come out and then you're gonna watch it later and they make a very of the moment reference and you're watching it six months later, it feels dated. It feels dated. It feels tired. It feels da- exactly. It feels dated and tired. Yeah. And I think, like I said, it probably it made it you know feel really fresh. But now I, it's really dated. Well, and it makes me wonder. Like I know that they rerun Will and Grace. I think on like TBS or something. And I always wonder, like, how does that? How do you sit through an episode? How do you sit through an episode yeah. without being like, this is the most tired thing I've seen? Yeah, like Mad About You was a flash in the pan in terms of reruns. It was on it for a couple of years in reruns, and yeah. then. I don't even know if it's rerun on television anywhere anymore, unless it's on like a high end, you know, high numbered channel somewhere. But mm-hmm. for the most part, and it's, they think it's because the last few seasons of that show just were not very good. But you know, and even that out of the four, out of the three episodes we watched, that was probably the one that holds up the best because even though we were making comments about the apartment and the fashion and stuff. The look is one thing. The themes the script, are very classic. Yeah, it's it's a it is it that could have been an episode of another sitcom yeah. from ten or twenty years earlier. Well, and the whole thing about being referential to things that are kind of outside the purview of the show makes me wonder if that's why we've seen this shift to this more almost like self-referential ecosphere. Mm-hmm. So when you've got sort of like, you look at Lost, which is not a comedy, but you look at Lost, which has its very own mythology and their its own yeah. ecosphere of like these things <clears throat> that mean these other things and everything's interconnected. And How I Met Your Mother, like it references things back, back. but it refer- but for the most part, yeah. the stuff, I mean, it does reference some other well, things, the- but for the most part, it's, it's yeah. referencing things that have to do with itself. And I was thinking I was thinking about that when I was talking about the real world is that the real world, I mean, other shows have done this before, but the real world as a concept really kind of influenced other reality shows obviously, but also influenced the idea that over you can tell one story in a half hour show over the course of a season whereas 
even at this point, Met About You, Seinfeld, and Friends, even though there was an ongoing storyline in Friends with Ross and Carol and, mm-hmm. and Susan and stuff, and you had ongoing kind of character beats, they were all self-contained episodes. Mm-hmm. Like, if I missed an episode of Friends, if I missed the next episode of Friends, I could pick up the one right after that, mm-hmm. and I, you know, it, it's not going to matter, aside from, like, maybe a season finale or something. But with the real world, for instance, you that, that was one of the first shows that would have done the previously, previously yeah. you know, previously. aside from, say, a soap opera or mm-hmm. a nighttime soap, which did rely on that, you know, mm-hmm. so they kind of took that. And then comedies really started to do that, where they would have season-long arcs mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, and dramas all started to do that. The last, like, episodic drama that I could think of are the procedurals, where where... You have can have self contained like a case of the week. A case or of the week. Well, you know, well, scandal is actually the the first couple of episodes of scandal I, I watched, and that's pretty much all I could get through. Yeah. Um, it was sort of like this is the scandal of the yeah. week, and this is how Olivia Pope's going to handle it. Yeah. And you know, Grey's Anatomy was the same way, where yeah. it was you know this is the this is how shit's gone sideways this week with this patient. Yeah, here we go. And well, and, and um, one of the things about uh, the early episodes of Smallville, I was listening to uh, the guy who podcast about it. Trentis talks about um, how the first couple of seasons of Smallville were still the sort of, okay, it was very often called the freak of the week. You know, like, here's the villain of the week, although there was, and, and later seasons were. Well, the X-Files were like that, too. Yeah, and, but later seasons were where they started to mm-hmm. acknowledge that people were binge-watching the show, so they were just going to do an overall arc, and Lost had the overall arc, but even in the first season of Lost, there were well, they were centered around those flashbacks. Yeah, yeah, they were centered around the flashbacks. This is who you're going to learn about this week. And what would happen though was when they tried to keep knocking it off with shows like The Nine and some of that stuff, mm-hmm. they were like, "Okay, here's the mystery," and like the audience in Lost was not interested in the mystery until a few episodes into the season. Mm-hmm. And they, they, it was like that. That show took a while to get its mythology going, and. Smallville, The Flash, Arrow, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. all have the advantage of 50, 60, 75 years worth of comic books yeah, so you and can, a built-in audience yeah. to that. So you could have a show about Superman that references a bunch of stuff from another medium. So where this, it is self-referential. It's just in a different way. Right. So this has nothing to do with the 90s, but can we talk about how exciting it is to hear James Spader narrate over Age of Ultron? <laughs> I mean, I just close my eyes and kind of pretend it's stuff. Oh, it's full stuff. It is. I mean, the way, I mean, it's that very much like I could not give two shits about what you think. I'm stuff in robot form. It's the best. You half expect Andrew McCarthy to walk up to me and go, she thinks you're shit, Steph. And deep down inside, you know she's right. And he doesn't care because he's stuff. Well, thank you for for coming on. Sorry, and that's probably a weird note to end it's on. It's great to end on. Anytime you, might, you, no, you might want to edit this part <laughs> out. All right, well, thank you very much for coming on. You're welcome. Now ordering from Domino's is one cool snap. Something unique, something to taste. Not just anything does this to my face. Large Domino's crunchy thin crust pizza with two toppings and get a medium one topping pizza free.
And I'd like to thank Amanda for hanging out with me on a Saturday night to watch sitcoms that were 20 years old. Um, I honestly had a lot of fun with this, and hopefully she'll agree to be on another show with me in the future. In fact, we talked about a couple of uh, episodes uh, for perhaps next year. As for all of you guys, thanks for listening, and I'll be back in a few weeks with the second to last of the 1994-themed episodes, taking a look at another very important television show from 1984, MTV's The Real World, San Francisco. Until then, thanks for listening, and happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving! You have reached the end of another episode of Pop Culture Affidavit. All music, clips, and other material used in this podcast are the property of their respective copyright holders, and since this podcast is intended for entertainment purposes and I make no money off of it, no infringement is intended. Images, clips, show notes, and essays on other topics random in the world of popular culture can be found at Pop Culture Affidavit, which is located at popcultureaffidavit.com. Feedback can be sent by email to popcultureaffidavit at gmail.com. Pop Culture Affidavit also has a Facebook page, and you can like the podcast at facebook.com slash popcultureaffidavit. This podcast is a proud member of the Two True Freaks Network of Podcasts, which is the division of the Demanzacore of Milan, Italy. You can download this podcast and many other great podcasts at twotruefreaks.com. Want to support this and the other Two True Freaks podcasts? Go to twotruefreaks.com and click the Amazon.com link. It costs you no extra money, but really helps us all out. Thank you for listening, and come back next time for some more pop culture randomness. Turkey for the girls and turkey for the boys. My favorite kind of pants are corduroys. Gobble, gobble, goo, and gobble, gobble, giggle. I wish turkey only cost a nickel. Oh, I love turkey on Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Oh, thank you.